0: From the banks of Dewey Lake, it's the Dewey Pod Monster.
1: All right, we're back. This is the Dewey Pod Monster Podcast. This is your podcast about consumption. Lately, it's been mostly a podcast about horror movies, and that's not about to change, but it is still a consumption podcast. My name is John. I'm your host of this. uh, We're going to call it a show. And with me this week, as always, is the host of the Dewey Pod Monster podcast. He's the authority on Michigan craft beer, or I think that's what it is. I don't know. It's been a minute. Sean, how are you doing today? I'm great. The host. I don't know
0: going clever insert clever. With the we'll most. edit something clever in right here.
1: You're just gonna cut back in and say something clever. Yeah, something
0: clever. Yes, I like it. So, how are you doing today? I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm on this. I did this. You, you didn't really. You don't want to care. You don't. You don't want to care. You don't care. But I'm on all this medication, so I'm like tired as shit all the time. But other than that, t- it's tits. It's all tits. Yeah. You can be worse things than
1: tired, I guess. So. You, well, you want do to be well, awake? Uh, yeah, being awake kind of sucks. You got to deal with people. It's you got to host things like podcasts and you know shit like that. Hosting duties, know. stuff like it's, that. It's a burden. So, catch anything good this week? Huh. Oh, I, I did watch. that.
0: See, we're we, we're talking about this. So when everybody hears, this, it's going to be a little bit out of sequence because we're just kind of recording a bunch of stuff for October. That's a little behind the scenes, a little BTS in the business. That's what we call that. So I'd watched. BTS, uh, Yeah. But Korean group, <laughs> <laughs> I watched wrestle, the, not WrestleMania, the WWE, like biography thing that we've been talking about. The new one was Degeneration generation mm-hmm. X. So I watched Degeneration generation X. That was a good one. But my, my recording quote unquote ended with 10 minutes left. So, I mean, not that there's anything revolutionary or. Revol- revolting they in get the 10 yeah i mean i i just don't know what happened to. <laughs> road, i don't know what happened to road dog so if anybody knows how road dog's doing let me know and billy gunn i don't mm-hmm. know what happened to him after wrestling but yeah that's he's what I've he's probably up to. just hanging out with his brother tommy oh yeah you know what the thing about rocky was at four with what's with the face? russian with drago no with tommy gunn was that four oh, that might be was five. that five that might be five five has that epic speech that
1: well, it's got that speech that Stallone gives where they're in, like, a warehouse or something, and he keeps screaming at this chick and walking out of the scene and back into the screen to yell at her more. But he's very Stallone yelling, so it's not really, like, audible. It's just... Yeah, intelligent. Walks out,
0: walks in. Walks out again. This goes say. on for, like, five minutes. The, the best part, the part that always bugged the shit on me about that, Tommy Morrison plays Tommy Gunn. That's the fighter's name. Like, they mm-hmm. just give him... His name's Tommy Gunn. Right. So they Tommy machine gun. Like, really? I mean, that's kind of a foregone conclusion. You're already naming the character Tommy gun. You're going to call him like Tommy, the potato peeler gun. I mean, that's that's ridiculous, too. Might as well go that way. If my name is Tommy gun, I think I'd want my nickname to be like the potato peeler or the hamburger assassin or something just stupid like that. Tommy semi-automatic BB pistol. Tommy wacky waving inflatable tube man gun. That would work, too. I would, I'd so. take that. That's what I want you I to start addressing me as. The coast and the wacky, waving, inflatable toot man, Sean. I'll try to remember
1: that. I could probably fit that in, and then we'll then we'll air that episode before this one, and it'll really not yeah, make good. any fucking sense. Yeah. Who,
0: what are they? What are these idiots talking about? What'd you catch? Anything good? I
1: caught up on a couple of those WWE biographies. I'm one behind you, so I watched the Bell Twins and Kurt Angle. And both of those have a, a share amount of just WWF depression going with them. Yeah. Like they both start with just horrible fucking beginnings and not as out of the Beltwins when it's kind of like a lot of, I don't know, they're fine. Like after you get past, like I was raped and I broke my knee in half and all this shit. It's like, God damn. Yeah. How are you going to follow that up by going in the, you know, WWE or F or whatever it is. And they do, and they—they're fine. Like the the rest, the second half of it's a lot more like we overcame adversity. So, anyway, after they get past like one of them breaking their leg like basically in half, and the other one going through some, we'll just call it sexual trauma because I don't really want to rehash that part. The second half of their story is a lot of like oh, women empowerment in the WWF, and truthfully, that's well past the point where I stopped watching. So I really had no idea any of this was going on, but yeah. it—it's. It's not it's not a bad episode. It it taught me something I didn't know about the Bell twins, so I guess that's good. Then you pile up on that with Kurt Angle, which man, that guy's got a lot of fucking neck. Um <laughs> not as that much as guys, he is, like he's still a pretty big fucking like that guy's like seventy percent you know what he looks like is the bad guys from the Super Mario Brothers movie, but like bigger neck. Like the Koopas. He's just got that like Yeah, that's yeah. what they were, the Koopas. He's probably going to find me and beat the shit out of me for that. He but seems m- mellow these days. If, he, if Kurt Angle does come beat the shit out of me for saying he looks like a Koopa, we'll try to have someone record it because that's got to be worth at least five or six views. That's good
0: content right there.
1: I would hope so. Anyway, his story is just like you're, in so many ways, your typical wrestler story. It's like, I was really good, and then I got drugged and drugs, and then I got sober drugged and drugs i'll be dead soon so (laughs) i'll be dead soon It's the typical wrestler way unfortunately so then i also found some little documentary series on hulu which is called culture shock which is basically this it's from 2018 and it's just looking at these different things from mostly in the 90s like i only watched two episodes the first one i watched was they're all about like an hour long or so when it was on. The first one was on uh, the show Freaks and Geeks, which I don't know if you watch that mm-hmm. show, but that show for me was really relatable. Like it helps it to place in Michigan, but a lot of the clicks and stuff that you would see, I was like, oh, this feels very familiar and fucking awkward and stuff. And I, di- I didn't really watch till well after it was on TV. I think I caught it on like a DVD set or something like that, yeah, but same. it was a good show and it was kind of cool to see him go back and talk about that and kind of show that that sausage was made for lack of better wording but it's it's very much so just drenched in you know 90s nostalgia from like maybe 20 years later so it's kind of uh, entertaining on that i forget what the other episode was i watched, but it's all just that era like we used to watch this shit type of documentary (laughs) so (laughs) that sounds right up my alley i could lose a couple nights in that yeah, it's only like six or seven episodes, but again, about 45 minutes. It obviously ran in an hour time slot before based off where it's cut and everything, but yeah. I was entertained by that. Then past that, the only other thing I really watched was Hard Knocks. So I'm caught up on that for right now, too. We don't really have much to say on that. It's just kind of watching them. I am finding myself making a lot of bets that the lines are going to go under the Vegas predicted win count because I'm six? finding I have a lot. I think it was six and a half, so six or less. I don't know. My bets have all been at seven and a half, because that's what it was when I was under the influence of substances and making bets.
0: I still owe Jeff for last year. You owe Jeff for last year? Yeah, we bet that it the over-under was five, and I bet over, because I'm stupid, clearly.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, like I said, I have three gullible family members, one that bet me. In his words, all you can drink at drafting table. I'm like, you could should just bet me money because it'd probably be cheaper for you. Yeah. And then two other bottles of bourbon are on the wine. I'm like, I'm gonna be pretty drunk after this season, apparently, because
0: you could be set so for at least a couple if, of days.
1: Yeah, sure. So if anyone wants to bet that the wines are gonna win more than seven games, you know, I'm your guy. I'll take that bet because they're not gonna do that. They're gonna
0: probably win like four. So. The thing that I always love about Hard Knocks, watching it, is at the fantasy football draft, when all mm. the people that have been watching Hard Knocks, you can tell because they're the ones picking up whoever, yeah. TJ Hooshman's out or whatever, six years after he isn't playing anymore. And, you know, they're picking up this all these players. This is a deep sleeper draft, man. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you don't know, man. Yeah.
1: This guy really works his ass off.
0: He's a real he's uh he's got a real motor on him. I was trying to think when I said, "Yeah, you don't know, man." I was trying to think of a Lions player besides like Swift or somebody. I or Jared Goff, somebody of that would actually be worth picking up in your league. I mean, Jared Goff is not that person, but I couldn't even think of any players. <laughs> Especially no offensive and players. This is, that's for sure.
1: And this is exactly why the Lions are going to win less than 7 games right. because Hey, they got DJ yeah. Chark. There we go. Uh great. They've Devin um, Funches. Do they? I think so. Oh yeah, they were talking about him they were talking about someone named Funches. I didn't take the time to see if it was the same guy. Funches was a receiver, yeah. but yeah, this is not a sports talk radio, so this is not
0: a sports talk. not podcast. radio
1: either. As we talk about WWE and <laughs> Right.
0: I guess it's not a sports, so we can count that. So where what's your opinion on remakes and movies, Sean? Generally I don't like them. I don't think that they need to be done. If it's something mm-hmm. like a remaster, you know, where they're not a remaster, I don't know, a reimagining where it actually is different from the original. I'm OK with it. But if it's something where they try to do shot by shot recreations of like a movie, Psycho. I thought Psycho was pretty good. That's probably the only one that I thought uh, was tolerable. But generally, I don't like remakes. I just prefer to let a movie stand on its own. I mean, we've talked about Halloween. Right. That didn't need to be remade. I don't think we we thought. That no, the not was the so way good. it was. Remade. So, yeah. 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 And who remade it. Right. So normally I would agree with you.
1: And as we were running up to this topic, I kind of talked myself out of it for like a certain generation, because it seems like there were a hell of a lot of really good remakes that came out in our favorite generation, the 80s, because you got movies like The Fly, The Thing and our topic for today which is the movie the blob and the other thing that all these movies kind of have in common is they they start with a movie well there's that too they took a movie that was at least 30 years old i think in the case of the thing that was like in the 40s or something like that if i remember right they took a movie that was good but maybe just kind of ahead of its time and then just i'd say each one of those movies is not like They're all different from the original, but not, like, so drastically different that you can't tell where the source material came from. Is that fair to say? Yeah, 58. 58 for the blob? The original blob, yeah. Yeah, so it was 30 years apart from Mm -hmm. this and the remake. But they all kind of ran with an idea and kind of took things that just, for whatever reason, whether it was a technology Mm -hmm. restraint or lack of vision if you want to get all dark side with it or whatever, you just wouldn't be able to do in that previous era of film. And there's a stretch there where there's a quite a few pretty good remakes in that run. You can make an argument that one of the better ones, is, although it wasn't really received that way, would be The Blob. Now, I know you have more of a, I know you have a, a little bit, we'll say a love affair with this movie. So why don't you give us a little breakdown on the synopsis or the plot of this movie?
0: Yeah, I didn't know that I had a love affair with this movie, but I do really enjoy it. So basically, the premise is that a let's talk about the characters first. We have
1: yeah Brian Flagg, who is our main like badass and Meg Penny, who is the damsel in distress. And you have a lot of guys who pop up all over Hollywood, but those are your two main characters that you're following through this movie are Brian and Meg sprinkled in with people who are really just in a lot of ways kind of a horror movie trope
0: yeah fodder a little bit for the blob yeah basically <laughs> so Ke- uh, kevin Dillon, who is matt Dillon's brother who i want to have a whole side conversation about that he is brian he's kind of like the town dirtbag like the the troublemaker the the bad boy of the town or whatnot of the small town in California. I believe it's in California. Looks like California. Yeah. Like Northern California. It's shot in Louisiana, but it takes place in California. Really? Okay. Well, I didn't, I did mm-hmm. not know that. And then we have Shawnee Smith who plays, who plays Meg Penny. She is the high school, not high school sweetheart, but she's like the cheerleader, right? She's like the head cheerleader, the homecoming queen, that kind of person. So we have these two characters. There's a football game going on. There's this football. He's the receiver. He asks Meg out for a date. They go out on a date. While they're out on this date, there's a pop bottle Pete out in the woods collecting the pop bottles for the money or the pop cans, I guess. And a meet, he sees something fly through the air. He goes to investigate. It's a meteorite that's hit the ground. Are you raising your hand?
1: Yeah. Brian's not the one that asked her on a date. Paul is. Yeah. He's yeah, yeah. the first.
0: Yeah. Paul, the yeah. football player guy. Brian is not right. a football player Brian guy. Brian is busy with pop can Pete. Yeah. Busy being a dirtbag badass dirt bag with a sweet leather jacket. So a meteorite crashes. Pop bottle. Pete goes to check out what the hell's going on. He finds there's a meteorite. As we learned with the stuff, when you find something in the ground, what do you do? Well, he didn't actually try to taste it, but he goes and tries to poke at it with a stick. It's, It's something's up with it. It crawls on his stick and he's like fiddling with it and it bites his arm, his hand. Basically, from that point on, we have the blob. The blob starts to overtake the town. And uh, the military comes in to check out what's going on. Nobody knows what this thing is. The military, well, science. Science and the military come in to co- quarantine the, the town. And the blob grows from there. And then it's a, a fight to fight the blob. It's when shit gets real. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Seven strangers I, picked to live in a house. I will. <laughs> True story. Yes.
1: So before we get to the real world episode of The Blob, I will say that the idea of poking the blob with a stick is far smarter than just immediately putting it in your mouth and yes. swallowing it and saying, well, that tastes pretty good. That's pretty good. So for those who somehow missed it, we're calling back the movie The Stuff, which is got a lot of similarities to this movie as far as... You're looking at essentially an amorphous tub of goo that is the bad guy in this movie. You can, there. We did an episode on that, that that a little ways back. You can always go back and check that out. That, that one's fun, too. But if you like an old-fashioned monster flick, this is going to be right up your alley because this is 100% like, you could almost call it the American version of a Godzilla movie before the Americans started making Godzilla movies. It is... There's so many things about this movie that it's really kind of a bummer that this movie got, it's really underrated for what it is. You watch this movie, and as far as the effects and the kill scenes and stuff like that, this movie holds its own with your Jasons, your Michael Myers, your any monster movie that I can think of. It. I I wouldn't mind seeing the blob kick the shit out of Pumpkinhead or something (laughs) like that. That could be entertaining. Whatever monster comes around, but... The kills in this movie, because of what this creature is, they're really kind of inventive and entertaining. And so you see so many movies where the kill is just I stabbed him and he fell down and went and or a shadow on the wall. Yeah. So because of what the blob is, you, you really do see kills in this movie that I know I didn't see, like, any interpretation of somewhere to this before the movie, at least in how things are executed. And I really can't think of a good example of after this movie where you see, like, this movie is really unique in a lot of the ways they trim down the cast, we'll say. I can't think of ways that it's been replicated quite the same way or even, like, homage the same way as what they do in this movie.
0: The the cast goes from a whole town to a few people. The cast is a who is who of all these mm-hmm. ...actors that you've seen in other things. Uh, we have the guy, the exploding guy from RoboCop. We have the one of the dudes from The Walking Dead, the old guy from The Walking Dead is the sheriff. Just an assortment of random people. We have Del Close, the uh, improvisational master, plays the priest in this movie. The thing that I wanted to say about this movie with the special effects... It's almost like a tale of two special effects movies. We have the practical effects are amazing. Like you're saying, the kills where they have there's one scene where Paul, the football player guy, he gets swallowed up by the blob and he's reaching for Meg and he's just decaying or the, the blob is basically acidic and it's decomposing him it's burning his flesh off burning his his bones in front of her eyes she pulls on his arm his arm comes off gross there are scenes where there are people who's whose their faces are their half their face down you go to roll them over they're like melted onto the floor that stuff looks amazing the the blob scene where jeffrey DeMunn, who plays the old guy in walking dead not 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 the dude that lives in the house with the hot daughter, but the other old guy who gets hooked up with the young lady, I don't remember their goddamn names in this, that thing, but his face gets smeared against like a phone booth, like a a glass phone booth. And his face just like pulls apart. It's it's they're really great. Mm -hmm. But when you get to the, the mad effects where they had to green screen or chroma key or whatever you want to call it, those are, those are the stuff level. Not great. Like they don't look so hot. It's yes and no.
1: There's parts with that where I will completely agree with you. And I also kind of like some of those scenes because they, they kind of really make me laugh a way, yeah. in a way. Like, yeah. it, And I'll, I'll kind of touch on that when we get to the end of this movie, because there's a scene at the end that really makes me laugh my ass off every time I see it. But there's other scenes in this where, go ahead. Is it the bookshelf? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> but that's funny, too. I don't think that was a green screen shot. There's other scenes in this, though, where you know they're using, likely using green screen because I don't know how they would get the shot that they get otherwise. But it still looks pretty good. Like, one of the things I actually, I did write a couple things down, mostly because I was drinking when I watched this movie, and I didn't want to forget them, as you do. There's a couple shots in this where I'd really like to see a, like, more, really, I'd like to see a behind-the-scenes for. majority of the effects on this movie just because like you said the practical effects in this movie there's so many of them they're just so amazingly well done even the ones that are really simple effects like the the phone booth scene where they basically just i'm assuming fill up a phone booth with some kind of goo and and it around it it still looks really well done it'd be cool to see how they flood the phone booth from the outside rather than I guess they could have just green screened that, too,
0: but I don't know. The way that they um, cut that scene, the phone booth scene where it collapses in. Yeah. They do an awesome job at editing that because it I, when yeah. I watched that last night or two nights ago, whenever I watched this, it was like, oh, shit, somebody must have really got hurt when they filmed this scene. And the other thing with this it? Yeah. The other. Well, I mean, that's kind of the point. Right. So. The other part that I was going to say, the practical, or not the practical, but the special effects, the matte stuff, the chroma key, the green screen, whatever, I feel like that may also be a victim of upscaling for a DVD, kind of like when we talked with Sleepaway Camp, you could see the face of the person in the doorway. I wonder if a lot of it looks worse than it did originally because it was upscaled or the way that they converted it. Yeah, there's no
1: question that as great as HD can be, it can certainly kind of... Shed a, a light on some things that you don't want to see. Look no farther than your local news like team to really have that pop out. But yeah, there's some scenes, like I said, there are. To back to my point, there are some scenes that are really kind of very dated looking, very hokey, and I don't think that's the HD like upscaling or anything like that. They're just bad green screen, and that's where the tech was at that time. But there's others where I, I specifically I'm thinking of the scenes in the um, sewer when the the blob is in the background and they're i think they're trying to climb out of the sewer Mm -hmm. i would assume that's a green screen shot but it looks really good especially when you compare it to some of the other green screen shots that are in this same movie so i wouldn't mind seeing it i'm sure it's out there i just i didn't either didn't find it or didn't take the time to find it i'd be interested to see how like each shot like that would be done if they wanted to give us some, like, super special edition Blu-ray cut with all that extra shit, I would actually sit through them. That'd be a special feature I would actually sit through and watch.
0: I wonder if a commentary, a DVD commentary track would would do some justice to that. I don't know if there is a commentary. Kind of I don't have a DVD, so I don't know if there's a track on it. I don't either.
1: I don't know. There's Like I said, I, I agree with you about the blue screen or green screen. I just I think there's a lot of points where it does... I'm assuming it overachieves, and again, I could be wrong. It could be a whole different effect or a whole different way that they're getting that look, mm-hmm. but I don't know. So I'm gonna give them the benefit of the doubt. And some of the other like kills that really stick out, the diner scene where the guy gets pulled into the sink—that mm-hmm. to me was always one that really stuck out. It's got kind of like a real creep show feel to it, like the way that shot and the way that the gore is kind of used in that. It, I don't know, for whatever reason, it always makes me feel like it's an extra scene from Creep Show, mm-hmm. for better or worse. You mentioned the bookcase scene that's more comical to me than anything that freaked me
0: out for some reason, like that <laughs> it It's a lot goofier when you watch it than it is in my head. I think mm-hmm. when i want when I think of it, I think of it as being way more traumatizing, but it's just it's a half a second thing that happens where a guy gets basically folded in half backwards and pulled through this tight space and mm. yeah in my memory it's a lot worse but when i watched it i was waiting like anticipating that scene coming up and when i saw it i was like i can't believe that this was something that i was traumatized by because it's laughable <laughs> laughable yeah. right now i actually find the scenes that creep me out the most now
1: involve um del closest scenes as as the the priest or the whatever he is yeah not just because of the weird twist that they try and I know this movie was supposed to get a sequel, and then it it bombed, so they scrapped it, which is why it has the weird ending that it has, but Mm -hmm. the priest, like, in this movie, he's one of those priests that he comes in early in the movie when Paul and this other guy whose name I I can't remember, and I don't see him immediately here, they're, they're basically in the drugstore buying condoms, and it's awkward and it's typical of teenagers buying condoms like scene i guess but this priest comes in he, he it's it's one of those like i don't it i couldn't tell you what a priest that does shitty things to kids look like but when i see him i can point him <laughs> <them> out <laughs> i know when i see of scene? it. <laughs> right i mean he's he's a creepy looking priest in yeah. this movie yes
0: and it just gets creepier looking as the movie goes on. Some of this movie, like you mentioned it with the with the sink kill ha- has a lot of kind of creep show vibes they it just comes across very creepy. There's some characters that are really creepy or just things that happen that just have this kind of creepy vibe. but I love I just really enjoy the whole vibe of the movie from from the parts mm-hmm. in the forest in the woods, the beginning to the town scenes to the part where the sheriff is hitting on the waitress at the at the at the diner it just has this feel to the movie that i i just i don't know there's something i can't really put my finger on but it just has this real i mean it's 88 when they made this movie so it has yep. those 80s kind of vibes it almost has some certain elements of like teen flicks the, the TNA, there's no, I don't think there's any real nudity in this movie. I think there's like a bra. I don't believe there I think is. that's the worst you see, yeah, but that... it has those kind of TNA vibes to it almost like mm. a teen comedy kind of thing but it's a teen horror movie and a a straight legit horror movie too it just i think with all those things mashed together and a, me being kind of very nostalgic about the 80s even though i was barely out of my barely in double digits at the end of at the end of the 80s it just gives me those kind of warm fuzzies to watch a movie like this i i think the reason that i do like it so much is it captures the 80s or the end of the 80s so well
1: i think the the other thing it does really well is It walks a really good tight walk, tight walk, walks a really good tight rope of being a movie that is a horror movie. It doesn't take itself too seriously and it has some elements of comedy in it Mm -hmm. without turning into what so many horror movies in the late 80s turned into, which was a body count and a lot of really, really bad, horrible, like poorly executed comedy that just. It lands in retrospect because it's it kind of hits that so bad that it's kind of funny route, but it didn't land at, like, the first time you watch you're like, these guys are fucking stupid. No one talks like this. This movie doesn't ever really feel like... It's not a horror movie, like, in the sense that you're... It it is a horror movie, but it's not in the sense, like, you're not going to feel, like, this terror or this, like, real tension or anything like that. At the end of the day, this giant pink blob is threatening the planet essentially but you're never really seeing the theater like well this will happen on friday (laughs) there's no it's it's a very unrealistic premise to begin with it doesn't feel like there's any sense of realism to it so it's not something that's gonna pull you in to the point where you know like a movie like halloween where you can almost see it and but oh this is relatively plausible to some extent sure but it also doesn't take itself too lightly where There's not, like, a guy just firing off one-liners that happens to be with the main character through the whole movie. There's not, like, a gratuitous sex scene just for the sake of throwing in a couple nipples and then tearing it. Well, I guess that kind of happens, but you don't see the nipple, so whatever. We'll half count that. It's just that one scene, though. Right. He does have a pretty uh, fantastic bar trunk, I guess. Yeah, the dude opens a lot the of, back open of his, bottles.
0: Yeah, he opens the back of his trunk. Back of his trunk. I guess that's implied. I guess it could be a right. frunk, right? But it's full of all these it liquor bottles. It's full of all these liquor <laughs> yeah. bottles. Most of them are open and all this other crap. Right. And he's mixing these drinks. That's the part that really reminded me of those kind of teen I, sex comedies. I like that he's using a, uh, like a baking mixer to mix. Yeah, it's like drink. a hand mixer, though. It has like a trigger on it right. that makes it. Yeah, <laughs> and he's mixing a drink with that as if just pouring it right on top of it's not going to mix it. For you know, he's basically drinking scissorp at that point. He's exactly doing that, and he's got like a
1: whole like array of banakas to choose from for this too. So it's, he's kind of a creep and he's kind of a dirtbag, but he doesn't last very long. So you kind of don't feel bad about it. But that's one of those points where I think they were going for some kind of comedic angle of that. But even that doesn't feel played up quite to the extent of what you see happen in a lot of other movies from this time period. Movies that I'm sure both of us love, but can readily admit that
0: they get a little cheesy. I like so. that this movie, there are no sacred cows. I mean, there are two. There are two characters that make it through, and there are a lot of characters actually that make it through, but there are people that are main characters, I guess, quote unquote, that you see throughout. They're featured pretty heavily at the beginning of the movie, and they don't make it. Like They don't make it that far. They don't make it half an hour, some of them. Paul is one of those people that the way that he's presented... I, I love when movies do this, and I actually really enjoy the ending because it is so kind of open, and you could tell that maybe they were thinking of making that sequel, but they couldn't. But the way that it it plays out, it's like a, the perfect ending to this. But Paul is, is a character that at the beginning of the movie, the two main characters are kind of hanging with a little bit. It's, it's situations, Pop Bottle Pete, they take him to the hospital, they all ride in the car together. You kind of feel like he's going to be around for a while, and then he's just... Minutes later, he's just gone. Like, he's not coming back. There's no redemption. I mean, he's just he's now the blob. So I I just enjoy that that kind of element to this movie. The way they
1: set it up, they really give you the impression that Paul is going to be the hero of the movie, quote unquote, and Brian is going to be the jerk bag that either dies or becomes some kind of problem in the movie. And and, and they do flip it really well. Paul is the third build cast member in this movie. As far as Sacred Cows, though, like, I don't really think that of your main characters as any type of Sacred Cow. Like, if you kill everyone off that you're supposed to follow their story in the movie, all you have is a big giant pink blob just roaming the countryside, which I would probably watch that. But it's not going to be that great a movie. It's just kind of like,
0: wow, they really made a movie about a giant pink blob that just roams the countryside. Yeah, just destroys shit i mean it maybe it's apropos right i mean while we only have a couple it doesn't roam the countryside but it it gets pretty close so
1: as we're going through the movie we're pretty much learning that this bob bob (laughs) bob is also indestructible but the blob who's the bad guy of this movie he's he's pretty much indestructible he's going around he's disintegrating shit and this blob goes from something that's probably about the size of Like a soda can, something like that, right in that area. Yeah, that's true. By the time we get to roughly the third act of this movie, the blob is essentially the size of the slime capsule in at the end of Ghostbusters 2. So it's pretty large and in charge. Side note with that, there are clips of the blob that were not used in this movie that they did recycle for Ghostbusters 2 for some of the slime scenes, which I thought was interesting. Are you serious? Yeah.
0: I did not know that.
1: Yeah. This movie was released by TriStar, which at the time was owned by, I I just saw this before we recorded. I didn't really have this memorized, but it was, they were owned by Columbia. So Columbia saw that they had it, saw that they had another Pink Slime movie coming out a year later and just used some of the B roll that didn't get used in this movie. So the blob keeps getting bigger. And (laughs) as the blob keeps getting bigger, he's i'm gonna keep calling him he because i don't know what else i don't know why the blob keeps fucking shit up going uptown saying i'm gonna eat you and pretty much succeeding and expanding it's chasing our protagonists all over town eventually it gets to the movie theater where there's a lot of people that it can kind of really put on some mass and i don't know that i would call this a almost like This is the probably because the the movie theater scene in the original movie is probably the most iconic part of the entire movie. It's the scene where the blob is essentially oozing out of every orifice of this movie theater and people trample each other literally on their way out to get away from it, which is also referenced in Ghostbusters 2 when they're all coming running out of the theater and Mm -hmm. there's the slime Mm -hmm. kind of falling all over. This is also not a Ghostbusters 2 podcast. (laughs) This is a podcast about the blob. Right. That was a pretty cool scene, too, though, where you get to see the projection is killed. Yeah. Yeah, that's he's on killed. the ceiling,
0: right? Doesn't he get...
1: Yeah. And he's the most obvious rubber mask in this entire movie, but it
0: still is like, I don't care. It looks pretty cool. Well, I think Elisa Eleniak, is that her name? The, the blonde in the car where she scrunches up. That's kind of an obvious rubber mask, but this oh, one is like... Yeah, that's pretty... Yeah. Yeah. This one's like, oh, this yeah. guy... It looks just like that. Like, they... It looks just like the guy, but it looks have, like the blob.
1: So this episode should come out either at the end of September or in mid-October or something like that, September, October. I would be willing to bet you on top of my lion's bets that you could go into any spirit Halloween store and find a mask that is a reasonable facsimile of what you're seeing uh, uh, on this guy <laughs> in this projection is booth in the movie. But it works. It's fun. It's one of those scenes that it's like, this is this is kind of what I was saying. Like, this kind of horror movie doesn't scare me at all because it's so over the top. And that sounds that it's like, oh, that's fucked up. And that's something I didn't haven't seen before. But at the same time, that's not I don't think I'm going to be like Bukaki to the top of any no. movie theaters anytime soon from a gelatinous blob. Depends on what kind of movies you go to. Yeah, but I don't think the blob would be the one that's spackling me up there. I mean, that at that point you might want it to be. Yeah, well, you make a good point. So, (laughs) this is also right around the time though when we start kind of working our way to the third act of this movie, which I think I said at one point already. But before getting there, is this right around the time where they figure out how to hurt the
0: blob, or is that come? Am I missing it? I feel like I'm missing a scene scene in between here. Well, you find out how to hurt it at the well near the beginning with the diner scene. With a trap they they put themselves oh, yeah. in the freezer and then you find out, oh, it's it's sensitive to cold.
1: Shenanigans ensue and the blobs in hot pursuit of our our lead two leads of Brian and Meg. And basically we get to the showdown and like you said, the, the military shows up and this is where you get some real like B-roll monster movie type stuff. And the blob is kind of great. Like it turns into these very phallic looking like arms that just kind of come and like straight up flip people over. Throw them against the wall and stuff. I don't know why they think that shooting it is going to be effective, but let's try. Sure. We continue to unload on it as it gets larger. And somewhere in this madness of all this, they end up in a. It's like a city hall or a library, or it's a library because it's with the bookshelf scene, isn't it? Yeah. Isn't it? I would have said it was a um, church,
0: but yeah, it, it makes sense that it's city hall or a library or something like that.
1: Somewhere that has books and stuff, possibly leather bound. <laughs> Meg essentially grabs a fire extinguisher and starts putting out the blob. Is kind of what happens. And it's kind of funny because the fire extinguisher effect is it'd be like the equivalent of taking a, a super soaker 50. I'm specifying the 50 model because that's the one that you should know what it is by you. I mean, you, the listener, not you, the, sh- the sh- host, <laughs> the host, the Sean, the It'd be like taking that and just going up to like the forest fire in California and being like, I'm "Gonna put you out now."
0: Yeah, I kind of liken it to the same effect. Well, w- with a lot less, a less less effect as the torch to the zombie. It's kind of like, oh, it recoils, yeah. and it's like, oh yeah, it's gonna like maybe affect three of them. But there's right. a horde of them around you that you have to worry about. Right.
1: But what's kind of fun about this is you see Brian steal what is essentially a fire extinguisher mobile. It's like a pickup truck with a giant fi- fire extinguisher
0: inside of it. It's a snow. Now, maker. again,
1: I'm... Is that what it is? Yeah. I thought
0: it was, it was like a fire truck of some kind. No, they set it up early in the movie because when his bike breaks down, he goes to borrow the ratchet set. The The mechanic guy says, yeah, we got to fix these up for the weekend. It's going to be a lot of snow. Blah, 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 blah. And he's like, it hasn't, didn't snow a drop last year because snow comes and drops. And... So they set that up to have the snow machine, the mechanic, Moss, the mechanic, fixes the snowmaker, mm-hmm. and that's what he drives over. It's a big, it's like a ta- like you said, like a tanker. I miss that, because I was going to talk shit about it being a fire extinguisher truck. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's Yeah, it goes around the town, <laughs> fills up all the fire extinguishers, all the, all the business right. owners come out, oh, time to fill up the fire extinguisher. It's that time of year again. Daylight savings, change the battery in your smoke detector, and you go see the fire extinguisher truck. That's
1: right get a fill up what i like about this truck though is it's got my favorite effect of the entire movie is with the truck not because of all the the firefighting that it's doing or blob fighting but because the blob literally is it looks like a cat that just like flips over a cat toy the way the the blob moves and just kind of yeah
0: Yeah. (laughs) like
1: bats it away and it just totally does like a 360 flip and right out of screen and but Brian's fine. He gets out of it and he's like, oh, that sucked, and moves on and well, goes back to Well, he does get trapped
0: it. and she comes out to distract the blob. Meg comes out to distract the blob because he's trapped in the cab and it's like enveloping the truck. But she comes, ah, right, you bastard, because right. it gets really insulted. The blob gets really insulted when you call it a bastard. So it goes starts chasing her and, and the tank has separated from the truck.
1: Yes. I kind of want to see – see, maybe I need to watch – I need to watch this movie more often to
0: begin with. This is a a really fun movie to watch. It is, yeah. It Um, has a lot of those horror elements, has a little bit of suspense, but it is also kind of silly, has a lot of silly kind of moments. But it's not – it doesn't take itself too seriously, but like you said, it's not – it doesn't take itself lightly either. It it, it has a very – a lot of gravitas, you know. There's a lot of like yeah. a lot riding on what's going on here in this town for this this man-made blob, which we shouldn't really get into. If you, I think you should really watch pe- audience, you should really watch the movie to understand where the blob comes comes from. But yeah, I think it it just doesn't take itself too seriously, but it's not. There's some there's some weight to it. But that and
1: and that's what makes this movie work. It's again, it's a well balanced movie as far as how how it's telling a story. You never really get to the point in this movie where you feel like the blob's going to win and we're going to end with just like a purple globe or pink globe or whatever. I would have enjoyed that ending. Maybe that's what they were going for in part two. But there's a couple little subplots in this movie. Like I said, where the blob came from is one of those subplots that it almost feels like it's part of how the story moves along Mm -hmm. at certain points. Mm -hmm. But I guess that's how you tell a story is you insert parts of the story that move the story along. So it should do that. The storyline involving the priest and what he's doing and how his weird twist at the end is all kind of, it's one of those stories that you're like, where the hell is this going? And it it feels like it didn't get fleshed out because it didn't get the sequel that it was supposed to get. So I could see, presumably, like if they made a second one that was a good movie also, it'd be one of those things you could look back on like, oh, that's really cool how they planted the seeds in part one for this weird thing to happen in part two. But I appreciate the fact that they had the balls to try to put it in there in the first place. Because if you if you don't, then you just have to try to pull the story out of your ass if you think you're going to make a second
0: one. Yeah, and a lot of movies don't go that extra mile. Right. It's just kind of like, oh, this is what it is. You just have to believe this is how it is. But this they they give you the they give you the breadcrumbs as Brian mentions early in the movie. They they give you the mm-hmm. breadcrumbs to kind of find your way to it.
1: Yeah. Trying to remember how they actually killed this thing. I know it was with coal.
0: Like, was it just the fire extinguishers, or what was? Yeah, they blew was the, up the uh, They blew up the, the the tanker part. Snow truck. Thing. Yeah, and right. that covers somehow creates enough snow. I mean, it's they 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 talk the thing it's that about, they talk about how hot it is. It's supposed to be take place in October because the kid takes his jacket mm-hmm. and the mom tells, "Hey, take a jacket. It's October." So they talk about how hot it is. In the city, it's a little maybe unseasonably warm or whatnot, and then the tanker thing blows up, and snow comes down, and from it exploding and snow coming down, that somehow freezes the blob into these little crystals, and they say, I th- what do they say? They're going to take it to the city dump or something. I, I, maybe they somehow encase it. The, yeah, they, they make mention of taking care of it, right. whatever that means.
1: Yeah, so. however they take care of it. We forgot to mention a couple things in this movie, too, as we were kind of all over the place on this one. I do like the uh, movie that the two kids are watching within the movie because it very much so reminds me of Clark Griswold and Christmas Story Mm -hmm. or Christmas Vacation. I know this movie has as far as the people that like directed and produced this movie, this has guys that have worked all over like all all the big slasher franchises. So that obviously what they were going for yeah. in that scene but every time i see him come out with that hedge clipper and that flannel shirt i'm like well clark is just
0: way early on christmas this year right so <laughs> um <laughs> yeah, he's got the the movie in the movie is a is the hedge clipper massacre is that what it's called i don't remember and the guy and, he, he just a, calls it some like he calls it some slashy flick or something like that and it's the guy has a hockey mask like a goalie mask and and a mm-hmm. uh not even a wireless hedge trimmer. It's like the one with the full-on cord. It's a very 1986 hedge clipper.
1: Yeah. I also think it's interesting that this movie has the fortitude to kill off a kid, which you don't see that a lot in horror movies in general. Like it, I, I can only think of a couple others that do it, but they actually kill off one of the kids in the process of
0: the blob becoming uber mega blob. Oh, yeah. I mean, the movie theater, though, they're, they're probably the only kids in the movie theater, but... Yeah, they, there's nobody that's that's really safe, and that's what I like about it right. too. They don't they they go, there are people in the hospital. There are just regular everyday folks, which include kids, and and it's kind of not refreshing. I mean, you don't want to see you don't want to see anybody yeah. die, but it's it's different. I'll go as far as to say it's it's refreshing. Kids are <laughs> fucking
1: annoying. You've said this many times on this show. I would never say you that. know sometimes. Thank if you. My kids are you. I think the phrase was, kids are stupid. I have two of them.
0: <laughs> I don't remember ever saying that. That's I don't true. think it was recorded. So you'll never prove it. No,
1: no, never. We don't record anything on this podcast. I don't know what you're talking about. So, but no, this, like you said, there's, there is no sacred cow. There is no, like, it doesn't hide from anything with it. It's just a very straightforward f- kind of. It's more of a monster movie than a horror movie, really, which I guess that could fall under the same umbrella. But I don't know. You don't get a whole lot of that anymore. And even at this point in the '80s, you had a lot of creature movies, but you don't get like a straight monster coming to destroy the town type movie very often.
0: I got to mention. So, I got to mention our our main main bad boy character, Brian Flag, played by Kevin Dillon. He has not only. I don't know it's like at the same time it's the most ridiculous but the most like heroic mullet I have ever seen this I don't know if it's a wig I don't know if it's his real hair it's extensions is it
1: yeah so that was one of the things I did see is he was basically bitching about his hair in the movie and he had short hair before the movie but I think it was what's his name the guy who did the walking dead not the actor yeah yeah Daravon. He told him that he needed to have longer hair in the back to look more more street and more tough like (laughs) the kids of the eighties do. So they gave him hair extensions to make him
0: have the look of rough kids in the eighties. Yeah,
1: (laughs) it is like so. It's not his hair. His hair
0: is. It just is. It's just. It's. I. I. I'm. I can't even talk. How just he looks like an extra in a Motley Crue video. It is so like ratty and stringy, but thick at the same time. It's got this wave to it. It is just ridiculous. And his outfit—if you could—if you could just picture picture this in your mind. I'm going to the theater of the mind here. A a brown mullet on a white guy with a like a dirt stash. And Kevin Dillon's teeth are really bad in this movie. He must have gotten them fixed since. Obviously, he has this like stiff leather jacket on, white t-shirt and stone jeans and a and cowboy boots. White button-up shirt. Yeah, 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 yeah. Not like a t-shirt. Mm-hmm. You're right. It's like a Oxford or something like a button-down. Yeah. It's like the he just looks ridiculous. He has the strut, like he has like this '80s tough guy kind of strut, which I guess makes sense. He looks like a roadie slash
1: door guy for the band Warrant. That's a perfect, perfect descriptor. He's not good enough to be in the band, but he's good enough to open the door and tell people
0: you need to have a a laminate. Yeah. Where's your pass? And I... Right. How does... I don't understand, just on a tangent here, I don't understand how sometimes there's siblings of famous people that get famous too. Like Matt Dillon is a legit good actor. And not to say Kevin Dillon isn't a good actor, but... Is it just you see the, hey, do you have a brother? You're a really good-looking young guy. Do you have a brother or a sister, maybe a family member? And they say, yeah. And they said, bring him in. We'll give him his own movie. I mean, he was in a few movies. Kevin Dillon was in a few movies. He was in Platoon, for crying out loud. He was in a few movies, not not great movies. Platoon's probably the height of his early career and maybe his whole career. But I, I just don't know how that how that works. Like, how do they both get discovered? That's a question I've always had. Just i just going to throw it out there to the universe.
1: I don't know about the Dylans, but I mean you have the Calkins that were just like forced into it as child That's labor. True.
0: But I'm talking and like those uh, three have been
1: like the Q. Those three have had varying degrees of success. Yeah, they're the Joan Halls.
0: Yeah, you know the Calkin. Um, one of the Calkin brothers is uh, on Banner of Heaven, under the banner of Heaven on Hulu. Did not know that. Yep. So learn something new every day.
1: I actually don't mind now that they're adults and not like annoying bratty kids. I've actually found that more often than not, the stuff that the calkins pop up in is actually they're not bad in it. Like the ones in Scott Pilgrim and
0: he's pretty good in that. I think that's
1: what, Kirsten or something like that. Kieran. Kieran.
0: Yeah. Whatever. I mean Kieran calkin he's got succession too, which is one of HBO's biggest shows right now. So he's 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 hitting it on the park mm. recently.
1: Anyway, so we're talking about the blob on this episode. What? <laughs> Eventually. So I mean, do you have a lot to add to this at this point? I mean, this is kind of a straightforward movie, but it's one of those movies that really I'd like that we're talking about this one because this little dinky podcast should kind of shed light on a movie that really does deserve to have some people go back and watch. It is one of those movies that was I, I it's funny. It's like even looking at this, it's not reviewed like super well. It wasn't critically acclaimed. Even looking at it on Rotten Tomatoes, like the audience score is 56, which I think is painfully low. Yeah, at least in my opinion. It's by no means, like, a perfect movie, but it's definitely a fun movie to watch. Do you have anything to
0: add on to it before we throw on, like, any uh, hot dogs on it? No, I think I'm ready to just jump right into the mustard on this one. Why don't you lead us off? So I think that, like you said, I think it's criminally kind of underrated. This is, even on IMDb, it gets six six 6.6 out of 10. So... I just think that's kind of low for this movie. I think there are probably a few holes you could poke into it. It's not a perfect movie by any means, but it's super entertaining. Like you said, it's it's kind of a mix of like a monster movie, a disaster movie, and a horror movie. All those kind of three things rolled into one. You don't get that very often. And, mm-hmm. and like I said earlier, the thing that I really enjoy about this, me personally having a lot of the 80s kind of nostalgia, early 90s, mid-90s nostalgia vibes, I really enjoy it because it's a really good mishmash not a mishmash, but a, like a amalgamation of an 80s teen movie, a horror, so, kind of slasher-y kind of movie. It's not a slasher movie, but it has those kind of vibes to it. It has those kind of comedic elements. It doesn't take itself too seriously, but there is weight behind a lot of this stuff, and nobody is really safe. You know, the main two characters are pretty safe, but there's just things that happen that, like I said, the third highest billed person in this movie dies within the first 25 minutes, so it kind of gives you at the beginning this impression that you're you're maybe not, they're not tipping their hand at what you're really in for. Like if you didn't know what you were getting into when you started this movie, it really blows your, it really blows anything you were thinking that was going to happen out of the water. I would say for me, this is probably one of my more favorite, like unknown, not unknown, but underrated kind of movies. I would give this probably a seven and a half to an eight out of 11. I can't even think of fire extinguisher trucks and... I, it's just a movie that I feel like I can go back and watch. There wasn't a time that I'm like looking at my watch. We talk about that. That's a really good metric that we use a lot of times. Like how many times did I have mm-hmm. to look at my watch? I'm trying to look at the runtime of this. It's, uh, it's like an hour and a half yeah, right around there. It's a nice kind of solid hour and a half. This budgeted was 19 million estimated budget. It's gross in the U S and Canada or actually worldwide was only 8.2 million. So it did not make even half of its budget back. And I think that's really a shame, but I feel like this is a movie that looking back on the mid to late eighties, this is, should be like an eighties horror classic kind of movie.
1: Yeah. So this movie for me, I mean, the things this movie gets right, it gets so right. There's no one in this movie that you really follow. That is a, a hateable character. Like every character is at worst watchable and at best, someone that you can either relate to or you don't necessarily want to see them die a blobby death, but you also don't necessarily feel bad when they die a blobby death because it's entertaining and well-executed. It's it's a movie from 1988, so the effects often do like look like a movie from 1988, both in a good way and both in a bad way at times. I don't have a problem with that because... When it gets almost too hokey, it, it almost brings a little bit of unintentional humor to it. And I, I personally really enjoy that in movies. So I'm, I don't, I'm, you're never going to hear me bitching about that unless it's a predator movie. Yeah. I mean, everything about this, like, again, the, to me, this is a criminally underrated movie. It's If we're putting it on the hot dog scale, I'd also probably go seven and a half out, hot dogs out of 10 Calkin brothers. Mostly because I I can't say I do sometimes rate things on IMDb, or at least I used to do it a lot more. And apparently I had this one rated. I rated it a seven and they don't let you put half ratings in there. You have to put either a seven or an eight. There's absolutely no reason to avoid this movie. It's just one of those movies that as much as I enjoy it, I tend to forget about it, which maybe that's because there's not the hype or train around it or not people talking about it on a regular basis so when we came to do this episode it's probably been a good well i watched it once recently on cable but not really paying attention to it it's probably been like a good four or five years since i'd really sat down and actually watched this movie from start to finish and the whole time i'm watching i'm like why the hell would i watch this more because it is really fun with it but i guess that's its biggest downfall is it kind of blends into a lot of other things and can become almost forgettable in that sense. But at the same time when it comes to like remakes of any genre but horror especially, this is one of the best. There's so many things that it does right, the things that it changes from the story it just kind of enhances it. It doesn't take anything away from the original. It honors the original in a lot of ways that are really well done. The only reason I say that it's not the best remake is cuz there's one that I think it's kind of definitively the best that we haven't done an episode about yet. That's a very winter movie, but we'll get to that when we get to that. But there's absolutely no reason to avoid this. This movie's, like I said, it's fun as hell. Don't overthink it. Just kind of sit back and
0: pop some popcorn and enjoy the hell out of this blobby craziness. Yeah, I would say anybody that's into body horror or that's just into maybe a student of practical effects or or likes to see old school effects that are not CG, this is a movie that you should watch. It has a lot of things in it where the practical effects are filmed in a way that you watch it and you're like, how do they do that? There's yeah. a lot of things that happen that you're like, man, that's a really cool effect. I wish I knew how they did it.
1: Yeah, and that's why I said I would really like, whether it's a commentary track or a behind the scenes like featurette or whatever. Both the good and the bad effects, like, it'd be great to see how the sausage is made on, on each of those because it's, the practical effects are so well done that, I mean, like I said, I think I said this at the beginning of this episode, I think they they hold their own with any of the great horror movies that came out in this decade. I guess they're just not as, the movie as a whole isn't as captivating, which is, I guess, where it would be a downfall, but we don't think that way. We think you should watch it, God damn it. All right, well, this movie again, we're we're both advocates of it. I know this is on Tubi right now. I'm not sure how long we'll be on there, but this one pops up on streaming pretty regular. It's like we said, it wasn't a big box office hit, so I'm sure you could find it relatively easy. So check it out, make it part of your Halloween rotation or just your, you know, Sunday rotation. There's a religious aspect to it, so that works. In the meantime, make sure to follow us. We're at Dewey Pod Monster all over the place on all the socials. Make sure if you can, we would greatly appreciate if you subscribed and liked and shared these episodes, left us messages, all that good stuff. You can do that at anchor.fm slash Dewey Podmonster, or you can find us on Spotify, Apple, Android, all the wherever you get podcasts. Uh, Sean. Uh, Go plug your stuff.
0: You can find me at youtube.drafttherapy.com. That will take you to my YouTube channel, which I talk about Michigan beer. It's been a little bit since I've talked about it, but maybe someday I'll talk about it again. If you go to youtube.drafttherapy.com, you can see when I do that. You can also find me on the social media networks at Draft Therapy.
1: All right. Well, in the meantime, kind of wop stuff, all that good stuff. We'll talk to you next week.
0: Cheers. Love it up. What was I going to say? What were we saying before that? How do we get to this point? Where are we? Who are you? Can I give you an anecdote about the TriStar logo at the beginning of the movie? Absolutely. So, those for those that don't know, the TriStar promo or logo that starts all their movies off as a Pegasus that runs on the clouds and it comes up to the camera and it Rears, it's front legs, and the TriStar logo, the triangle says TriStar, and there's the drawing of the the Pegasus. My kids were terrified for some reason... (laughs) I have no idea up until probably, well, a couple of days ago, we're terrified of the TriStar logo. So like, I think Muppets Take Manhattan is a movie that starts with the TriStar logo and they would cover their eyes or plug their ears and close their eyes so they wouldn't have to hear the music, wouldn't have to see it because it just scared them for whatever reason. I have no idea. It's kind of weird. I mean, it's a little bit, a little odd. I'm equally as amused that you said until a couple of days ago.
1: Yeah. Because okay. that makes me think they saw and they just go. Yeah, you know, this isn't
0: really anything. So, well, maybe, they, yeah, they just snapped out of it. Right? They could run away in terror again. Um, I don't really know. I don't think we've seen Muppets Take Manhattan in a while. Last Muppet
1: movie I watched was Muppet and Muppets in Space, and that that holds up better than I thought it would. It's Muppets, and they're in space. Go figure. I'm a big fan of taking intellectual property and just shooting it into space. It usually ends well. Look at Jason. Worked well for Jason, right? Jason the leprechaun, <laughs> Tom Hanks. <laughs> yeah, nothing bad happens when you go to space. So anyway. <laughs> this is a this is a podcast about the blob so let's go back to that sorry tom hanks you'll i don't know if we'll ever talk about a full-time hanks we'll movie about but you another maybe. day tom maybe you talk about splash or something mazes um, in, what's that
0: mazes and uh the dungeon dragons movie that he did he did a Dungeons and Dragons movie it was like his first movie god what is it called mazes and again this is a blob podcast but he has this delusion he's like a college <laughs> student he has like a mental break or something and he thinks he's in his Dungeons and Dragons game, but it's like real life. I can't believe I, I don't know I recollection what the name of this. that movie is.
1: I don't have any memory of this. Fucking Tom Hanks distracting us. I know.